flying why because then you just like fly around in your dream and go to places well yeah i i get the um the appeal of flying but why would that be your dream power like why what about you makes you a, a flying person oh i don't know does it have to be something associated with you well i think that's how it is in the the movie oh i don't know about the gymnastics though yeah it just kind of seems like... she's always flipping away from her troubles oh yeah what about you? What would be your dream power? Last night I had a dream where I rescued a kitten from a pool and gave it CPR and it came back to life. So, so I think my CPR? power would be kitten CPR. <laughs> or like kitten revival. Kitten revival? Or protector of kittens. Kitten revival sounds like a Broadway show that they're bringing back. Oh, yeah. That's... Kittens. <laughs> that's Well, that's the production of my... Uh, non-authorized production of cats with all real cats oh it's called kittens it's called kittens and we're getting a little revival this week nice <laughs> yeah so kitten revival uh check it out we're uh off broadway um, far like far off broadway we like have one in... show in des moines <laughs> that's very off yeah it's a little off broadway <laughs> Florida. <laughs> well, welcome everyone to another spooky episode of I Love This, You Should Too. Ooh. Oh, spooky. We are members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. I am your host, Indy Kitten CPR Randawa, and with me is my co host, Flying Samantha Randawa. Oh, I, I would like to fly. That would be a good. Oh yeah, ideally Dream that would scale. be that's that's one of your best ones. Yeah, that's a good one. Better than just gymnastics. Yeah, like Kristen gets dream gymnastics. I feel like you'd wake up really tired. No, but it's in your. I don't know about that. I don't know if you get tired from things that happen in your dreams. You can bleed in the real world from things that happen in your dreams. But that's Freddy induced only. Mm, okay, yeah. We can revisit that. We can figure that. That's out That's a good question. Maybe if you're like fighting Freddy, you'd still be tired when yeah. you wake up. Good question. Good question. Is he really even doing those things to you, or are you doing it to yourself that he is controlling you to do them? Because Kristen does have a razor blade in her hand. True. You know what? We'll get into it. We haven't even started yet. <laughs> oh, no, we did. Uh, we at least introduced ourselves. And uh, like you might already know, today we are talking about the 1987 horror film A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Dream Warriors. So if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, go listen to those two, because we're doing this whole series. Samantha had never seen any of them, and I loved the first one and was aware of the others, so now I'm <laughs> reviewing them as well. And today we are going to be talking all about that third Freddy Krueger movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, there's going to be a lot of spoilers, so go go watch it. Yeah, I've had the Dream Warriors song stuck in my head for Dream since we watched Warriors. it. Yeah. And that sweet music video at the end. Oh, man. So good. So good. Well, we already know Sam kind of likes it, but we'll get into everything in just a moment. But first, let's thank our first sponsor, because this episode of I Love This, You Should Too is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you can be calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online, anytime, on any device. To learn more and explore your options, head to Alberta Blue Cross at ab.bluecross.ca. All right, well, let's get into it. Samantha, your first time through, what did you think of A Nightmare on Elm Street 3? Dream Warriors! <laughs> I liked it much better than the second one. Mm -hmm. It was super fun. Yep. This one um, seemed to go back to the original kind of equation. And uh, I'd say I loved it. You loved it? Yeah, it was fun. Wow. Yeah. Did you love the first one? Um, I think with the addition of this one, I think I do. Do you like, you know what, at the end, so now that we're at three, maybe at the end of every episode, we'll rank our Elm Streets. Okay. But I know oftentimes your 
you get swayed throughout the yeah, conversation. True. So we want to save it to it's the, the end. end. Yeah, exactly. So I liked this one. It was fun to see a young Larry Fishburne in it. Larry Fishburne. And a young Patricia Arquette. And uh, to see Nancy come back. Yeah. It was it was it was a fun time. It was. I think one is definitely my favorite. That's the only one that I think is just a fantastic standalone movie. I think one is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But I really like this one. I think this one is actually more representative of the series as a whole at mm-hmm. its best. Like, one is actually kind of different from the rest of the series because you didn't know where it was going to go because mm-hmm. that was meant to be a, a standalone. And you can't really maintain a lot of what one did. But part three is the best of what the series becomes, I think. Oh, it's so it's a all good... downhill from here? Uh, well, literally, yeah, yeah, I think it is. I don't think they're all terrible. I think there are some bad ones. <laughs> but you know what? I haven't seen them in uh, like 20 years or something. Oh, so okay. <laughs> but I think three is such a good balance of horror and comedy. And it's... These big imaginative effects, these great death scenes, elaborate sets. And it's a more fun movie than part one. Mm -hmm. Because it's not a straight horror anymore, which one was. And one is great and my favorite for sure. But this is the best of where the series goes, I think. In those more lighthearted, fun, kind of fantasy elements as well. So I, I like this one a lot. So let's go through the movie, but before that, we'll have a little bit of backstory. I don't have a big, long thing like I did with part two, because part two is a bad movie, but a very interesting story behind the scenes. It was very interesting. That was an interesting episode, because I didn't know all of the, like, controversy behind it. Yeah. And, like, how people's lives were ruined by that movie. (laughs) Right. This one seems like it's going to be a little bit more surface level. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Fewer deep, deep dives. So this one has the highest budget so far, but still $4 million. So it is a low-budget movie. It's also an independent movie because this is still New Line Cinema, the house that Freddie built. But it makes $45 million in the American box office. So it's very successful. How much did the last one make? Quite a bit as well. I don't yeah. remember off the top of my head, but I think it had a $3 million budget and made like $30 million. So they're, each one has been very successful. But it's also hard to talk about how much money these movies make because these are when movies cost like two fifty to go to. True. I wish we didn't do box office dollars, but rather tickets sold. Right. So That's like how, how everything people, should be. Yeah. yeah. Or there needs to be a, like, you know how there's like Adjusted the inflation, inflation calendar? There is that, but I don't have those numbers okay. off the top of my head. But they should do that for this kind of thing too, because yeah. movies now cost almost $20 to go to. Right. Whereas like... Or if you're going to those VIP ones, it's yeah. like a $40 ticket exactly. or something. So it's like... Like, when I was even in junior high, when I was seeing Bring It On in the theaters, I think it was, like, $7. Yeah. Like, it was significantly less expensive. I remember dollar theaters. Yeah. So, I would like to see a movie theater calculator. But uh, this one, it gets beat by things like Freddy vs. Jason, because that's a new movie. and Tickets are more expensive. Tickets are more expensive. I think people will go to movies more as well. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. We talked about Wes Craven, wrote and directed the first one, had nothing to do with the second one, and they try to bring him back for this one. Yeah. So he writes the first draft of the script, but he's not going to direct because he's working on something else. Hmm. And the first draft gets reworked quite a bit by um, Frank Darabont, who goes on to direct Shawshank Redemption and some other big stuff. And Chuck Russell, who is the director of this one and would also go on to direct, like, The Mask is probably his highest grossing movie. The Jim Carrey one? Yeah. Yeah. I think he did The Blob as well, the 80s remake of The Blob. I'm not sure about that. They come in and change the script and make it the script that we see now. Mm -hmm. And then Russell is the director. I believe this is his first movie. And things don't go well on set at all. Apparently, there's a lot of tension on the set. All of these kids sound like they hate him. Hmm. 
because they say things in a very uh, magnanimous way and they say like yeah he didn't exactly know how to talk to us or he didn't speak to his actors uh, he didn't communicate but he's like a jerk what it sounds like is like he was being a, a dick to everyone oh but also they were so so strapped for time because mm-hmm. i think the time from writing to this movie being in the theater was something like six months or something ridiculous. Because they were churning them out every year, right? Yeah, this one has, I think, a one-year break because I believe this is 87. It is, yes. So there's a little bit of a break, but still from production time, it was very, very tight. (laughs) So there's lots of tension on set. They're always way behind schedule. So there's these stories of 22-hour day shoots where things just go and go and go and... The kids are not safe. Kids are passing out all over the place because of heat, because of how they're tied up to things. Oh, so wow. it's, it's a tough movie. And some of these characters come back mm-hmm. in future movies. I'm not going to tell you which ones. <laughs> but some of the actors refuse to come back and play those roles because they had such a bad time on this one. Oh, my goodness. Were there no like child acting laws back then? Well, they were, I'm sure, but like anything, it's how much are things enforced. I was going to say on movie sets I've been on, but I've been on like junk movie sets where the special effect of me getting hit by a car was just me being hit by a car. (laughs) (laughs) But I volunteered for that because it looked better. Yeah. And this movie has no CG in it. So that's a big part of it, too, is that they're building all of these sets. They're doing all of this makeup. And this movie is really effect intensive there's a lot of special effects going on it with all of those kills with all of the dream sequences and the lighting and everything yeah Yeah. so all of that has to be physically practically done oh wow so that's a big part of it that seems like that would take a really really long time to film them yeah but they didn't have that time (laughs) and apparently they were shooting like a month before it was in the theater like they this movie went fast wow and it was wildly successful It was a front page story in a bunch of newspapers. It was being banned in a lot of countries and cities. And it really made this franchise. Like, I know the first two were very successful movies, but Mm -hmm. it seems like this is the one that got it into pop culture into the mainstream because as soon as talk shows are talking about how this movie is ruining our kids, like it's going to get then people want to see it. Yeah. Right. And that was the case with the first two as well. But I think it was a little more little more niche still on those ones. Mm. And as typical as this is of a lot of 80s horror movies, it doesn't include a lot of the things that we now think of as horror movie tropes. Like there's no sex scenes. Nobody is introduced just to be killed off. Mm. And I think I would argue that the characters actually get a good amount of development. Yeah. Like, I know who each one of these characters are, even if they're kind of silly sometimes. They are all full characters. I did like that it wasn't, like, killing in the first ten minutes. It was like, you got to learn about everybody. Mm -hmm. And then you become attached to them. Yeah, because it's so much more effective if somebody dies, if you know who they are and you know their journey, right? Although some of the times they kill people off and then they don't even talk about it. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay. Moving on. (laughs) And I think this is our first nudity of the series? I think so. Was there anything in part one? I don't think so. No, there was just a lot of like short t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. Like they were suggestive. Yeah, I know Tina is very scantily clad at points, but I don't think there's any actual nudity. No, this is the first like... Oh yeah, and they were supposed to be like 16, so it's good. Good that we didn't. Okay. Yeah, so in this one, we get our first boobs. Yeah. Boobs and a thong. Boobs and a thong. Yeah. Yeah, so we always think of horror movies to have these certain elements, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, that's what they all do. But we're three movies in, and this isn't really playing out. Mm-hmm. It isn't what they all do at all. And now that we're a little bit later in the 80s, franchises start becoming a thing. And it's kind of the first time this is happening in films, at least to this extent. Like, a lot of movies had had success from going from a more personal story in your first movie to going into uh, broader, almost action-type things for the second movie, hmm. from your alien to to this one. Because number one was a much more internal story. Mm-hmm. Well, this one, you have a team of people coming together, yeah. and it's a lot more action fantasy than just straight horror. True. 
And I'd argue quite successfully. So. Yeah, I, I liked it. It was like fun to get multiple perspectives. Mm-hmm. It, it, not that the first one dragged, but it felt like this one was faster paced. Definitely. Because you were switching between characters and you were getting different points of view. There was just a lot more happening in yeah. this one. The, I guess they're both all psychological because it's literally in yeah. a dream. But one deals with the fear of one person much more. Mm-hmm. It's about Nancy. It's, it is about the external stuff of her getting people to believe her. But it's really Nancy's internal struggle is mm-hmm. this, the main point of that movie. While in this one, you get a team... And because of that, they, they're all going through the same thing. So you get to externalize it a lot more. You get to have those conversations. You get people sharing in it. And it doesn't all have to be in one person's head because we're all we're all sharing in this. Mm-hmm. And it's a f- more fun movie. Like, it has jokes in it, right? Yeah. Which we don't get. And this movie is kind of the takeoff for... Uh, my franchise, uh, Nightmare Island, where I played a character named Hookface, who always has, in the first movie, he has puns every time he kills someone. <laughs> and it's because of this movie. Ah. That's where that comes from. And then in subsequent Nightmare Island movies, I was f- part three Freddy in part one Nightmare Island. Ah. And then in part three, I'm doing a Jason Voorhees. So like everyone is based on a different horror movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, this one also Freddy Krueger starts using the word bitch more. Yeah, he says bitch a lot. A lot. And I'm like, that's new because we definitely, (laughs) he's like sassier. Yeah. Sassier and like more verbally abusive. And I would say this is peak sassiness. Mm -hmm. Not as in peak as this is as sassy as he gets, but this is the best version of it. (laughs) It gets. Silly. I Dumb. think so, but I haven't. I haven't watched those in a long time. Okay, well, we'll have to revisit that because yeah, we will. It was in a couple of days. <laughs> it was crazy to see him like using that word quite as much as he did. I'm like, welcome to prime time, bitch. Yeah, it's <laughs> like so he literally never said much at all in the first one, and then yeah. in the second one he talks a little bit more, but he doesn't like swear at people. I think he calls someone fucker at one point. Okay, maybe. But it's still. (laughs) But it's starting in part two. And three really kind of solidifies where he's going as a villain. Mm -hmm. And I think the rest, of course, take it to different places. But I think they're all riffing off of what was established in three Mm -hmm. more than they are in what was established in one. Yeah. So let's go through the movie a little bit. We get introduced to our protagonist, and it is Kristen. Is that her name? Kristen, yeah. But played by a young Patricia Arquette in her screen debut. Oh, this was her first movie. It is, yeah. Oh. Apparently, uh, her first day of shooting kept getting pushed back because everything was so delayed. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't shoot her first scene until 4 a.m. At that point, she's all messed up. It's her first movie. She's so tired. She can't remember any of her lines. So they have to write it out on cue cards. And things were taking like 50, 60 takes. Oh, my goodness. So rumor has it that ever since that first day, uh, Russell, the director, doesn't like her because he everything gets kind of jammed up because of her but also because of him is why yeah you have this brand new actor you'd think that you'd be like supporting them and not making them shoot at four in the morning you'd think but budgets time budgets Kristen doesn't want to go to sleep and her mom is on a date and we have her making a paper mache model of what we recognize as Nancy's house. Yes. And Jesse's house from the second one. Yes. Elm Street. I just keep thinking of it as Elm Street, but I know that's like, that's a whole street. Yeah, well, it's on Elm yeah. Street. The house on Elm Street. But then she does fall asleep and we get this uh, dream that takes place in the house. And already the atmosphere of this kind of creepy dream house, Mm -hmm. I think, does a better job of setting up a spooky atmosphere than anything in part two. Mm. I agree. (laughs) I think this was like a little bit more realistic in that the dream way. Does that make any sense? (laughs) (laughs) So I would say that it is less realistic and that's what makes it better because it's not Mm. our reality it's clearly a dream everything is very heightened and the shapes of the house and how decrepit it is and everything like that really adds to this Mm -hmm. this feeling this foreboding and maybe what i meant was that it's like 
it's more obvious that it's a dream. It's more dream I think that's what I mean. Not like realistic, but like yes. with the giant, like her bed seems bigger and she seems smaller as she's like getting off her bed and walking up to the house. They're relying on those expressionistic ideas as far as the visual language a lot more than the second one does. Mm-hmm. The second one is just has him wake up, go do something. And you're like, oh, it was all a dream. But yeah. it doesn't really seem anything yeah. different except that Freddy's in it. Mm-hmm. Although in that one, Freddy is also in the real world, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But in this one, there is a more clear delineation between dream and reality. In one, I would say the dreams kind of creep in, but you do realize it's a dream pretty mm-hmm. quickly. In two, it's just at the gag or at the kill. They go, ah, just kidding, it was a dream. And there's yeah. no delineation. No. And in this one, they go to sleep and you wake up and you see this very different dream world. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that. I think it looked great. I prefer this entrance into dreams over the second one. I agree. Because there think... was no, like, reason. No. So it was just like, oh, you were dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> I think nothing is going to beat the atmosphere that's created in the first 20 minutes of the first one Mm -hmm. of just these teenagers being like, oh, I had that dream too. And it's such a fresh new idea. Mm -hmm. That is my very favorite. But a second place would be how they create the dreams and the dream world in part three. I love how these sets look. I love how it's clearly a dream. You have things like that murdered girl saying like, Freddy's home. (laughs) You have the skeletons in the furnace. You have the girl turning into a skeleton herself. You have Patricia Arquette not being able to run because she's kind of stuck in that goo. Oh, yeah. That kind of stuff is a lot of fun. And it seems like a, it seems like a dream. It Mm -hmm. seems like a nightmare. And they're going with it, which other ones don't as much. And I, I love the atmosphere of all that. And then when she wakes up, or we think she wakes up, the tap grabs her, mm-hmm. and then the tap has Freddy's claws, yeah. and that was great. And then there's a really interesting thing, because when her mom comes in, we see Kristen. I'll stop calling her Richard Shark. Yeah. Kristen has a razor in her hand and has slit her wrist. Right. So Freddy in this one isn't actually reaching through, and mm-hmm. although he does at some points too. Hmm. I guess it goes both ways. Yes. But he is making her do the things that he is doing in the real world yeah. or in the dream world. Yeah, which is a little bit more believable. Yeah, it's fun. Because it's like easier to believe that he only exists in the dream world, unlike yes. in the last one, where he kind of just existed everywhere. Yeah. And he could do anything. There were no rules in that no. one. One and three have a little bit of fuzziness to the rules, sure, but... I feel like there are established guidelines, at Mm -hmm. least. Yeah. So then we go to Weston, which is the institution that all of the kids are in, and we're introduced to a young Larry Fishburne. Which is, like, wild. (laughs) Is this the youngest you've seen him in a movie? Yes. Oh, you have to check out Apocalypse Now. Mm. I think he's, like, 16 or 17 in that. It was really interesting, because, like, Lawrence Fishburne is, like, a big dude. Yeah. Or at least he appears to be. In this, he's like teenager. He's like kind of still skinny. Yeah. And I like it. It's fun. He's good. He is good. He's a good I actor. Think even if I didn't know what he goes on to be, and if I hadn't seen Apocalypse Now, I'd look at this guy and be like, oh, this guy has something. He's mm-hmm. He has a presence on screen already. Mm-hmm. It's very different than the presence he has later. Yes. But it's still like magnetic you want to watch this guy yeah i agree i um i enjoyed his like bits with the kids Mm. like because he clearly cares about the kids and he's also one of the very few likable adults in this movie too and he he has like a rapport with all of them and like he is like a very nice adult figure for this film because he like cares about them and he also thinks um about how they're feeling, right? Like, because the female doctor is like, oh, it's just this, it's just that. They just need good night's sleep. Yeah. And everyone else is like, no, that's not at all. She doesn't get killed, which is a real difference from Nightmare on Elm Street to a lot of other series. But I guess because Freddy is a child murderer. Mm -hmm. He is not the one who is doling out punishment for... 
your weak morals or things that you've done, which mm-hmm. is a, the case in a lot of other horror movies. But Jason or Michael Myers would have killed that lady mm-hmm. and the mom. Oh, yeah. Because if you're doing bad things, you die in a lot of And the mom ones. is like having a gentleman over. Yeah. And it's like the rule in horror movies, you have sex, you die. Yeah, but I think when we go through these movies, we'll realize like, oh, all those things that we say are the rules and we use them to like dismiss horror movies. You actually watch them. You're like, oh, that's not really the case. It's just mm-hmm. a fun thing to say. Right. And some series it is, but not so much in this one. So Kristen is being taken here and the mom says, oh, she's not serious. Just just a cry for attention. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to a lot of actually both of the last two movies where it's all about not believing children. Mm-hmm. And if you just believed them, things would be so much easier. Yes. And they're going to sedate her, but she goes nuts. So she cuts Larry Fishburne. She kicks that dude. What's his name? He looks like Bill Maher, but she kicks Bill Maher in the dick, I think. <laughs> And then Nancy shows up. And Nancy recites that nursery rhyme back to her. Right. And then they're best friends. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a mention of a story of one of the previous kids who cut off his eyelids so he wouldn't have to sleep. Yes. That's such a good little inclusion. Yeah. So like not show it, but just to know that, that those are the stakes in yeah. this world. And like I liked that they're saying like oh no this isn't the start of it you're coming in in like the middle of it yes because there have been other kids who have killed themselves because they've been trying to avoid freddy and i think that's a really smart idea too because like you were saying there aren't really any lulls in this movie it starts off going it's right yeah there's already a plot happening yeah they've been at this for weeks months months, maybe years so we're being dropped in right in the middle and then we just follow in with Kristen, who is kind of new to it Mm -hmm. and finding out this world but there is all that experience there and then if that's not enough we even have nancy who has more experience than Mm -hmm. all of them yes we also get introduced to the scary nun oh yeah at this point scary she is she is scary and we get philip who is introduced as the walker he looks kind of like a young rudy what's his name sean astin he does he's he's fun though i like him and Kincaid, who is described as a lump. <laughs> yeah. Wait, does the doctor call him that? Or is that someone else? I think it's Larry that... Fishburne. Oh, okay. Like that. I think he's like an orderly. Yeah. Yeah. But the Bill Maher looking doctor has something against Kincaid specifically. Yeah. Because when everyone's doing one thing, he always picks out Kincaid. He's like, Kincaid, stop that. When everyone's doing the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. So we get another dream sequence, and this one's fun because there's a tricycle with blood on the wheels that Uh comes in, and then it melts, and the room turns into Nancy's house, and then we get that big bit with the pig. Uh Uh-huh. Like the the roasted moldy pig. Yeah. And uh, it was fun. I watched a little bit of the special features, and they talked about how they got that pig to look like an old rotten pig. Mm -hmm. So they cooked a pig, and then they left it there for weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So it's real. It's just an old rotten pig. And then the special effects people had to draw straws to, like, who would go under and puppeteer it. Because they just put their hand in a rotten pig. That's all it was. (laughs) That'd be so gross. That's giving me, like, the shivers just thinking about it having to touch something like that and this one of course i like the psychological horror of the first one best Mm -hmm. but this one not trying to replicate that they're trying to go into other places Mm -hmm. they go into some like gross out stuff like that or like other things we'll talk later but they're really spreading a a wider net Mm -hmm. i guess they're trying to get people on all sorts of different ways rather than relying on one type of horror which Mm -hmm. like it or not i think it's pretty effective because something in this movie is gonna have that visceral effect that you just had yeah and then this, the house starts falling apart, and we get this Freddy worm yes. that's eating her, and then she calls Nancy into her dream. Yes, and that's cool. And this is the first time we learn that um, Kristen is able to like change dreams. Yeah, and she has a dream add power. People, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So her power is she can bring people with her. Also, she can do gymnastics. Yeah, she gets two dream powers. <laughs> yeah, but one, maybe she can just do gymnastics. Maybe. 
Although we never see her do that no, in the real world. No, it's only in the dream. Yeah. But she's pretty tough in the real world, too. Yeah. She takes on a few orderlies at once. She does. And we learn that all of the other kids are having these Freddy dreams as well. Then we have a scene at a Thai restaurant, and they make a point of saying that it's a Thai restaurant, yeah. because I feel like in 87, this was like a new thing. It's yeah. like, hey, look at this, Thai food. And Did like, you know there's a country over there, and they eat food? It's crazy, Best right? Thai food in wherever city they're in. And then he's like, well, it's the only Thai Springwood? food. Springwood? Springwood? Yeah. I think that's it. But yeah, it's funny. because Where he's... is Springwood? Ohio? I don't know. Do they ever say? No, I don't think we've ever gotten like a state. Hmm. And I think that they probably also didn't know what Thai food is because they have like wooden chopsticks, which you probably wouldn't have at a Thai restaurant. No. Very little Thai food is eaten with chopsticks. Interesting. Yeah, only if it's like a straight up noodle dish. Um, Most of the time they're uh, fork and spoon people. Interesting. They eat like I like to eat with a fork in one hand and a spoon in the other. <laughs> That's why I love Thai food maybe. Oh. Or I think I just like those types of food and they work right. best with a fork and a spoon. I just love Pad Thai. That's great. It's always Pad time. So then our next big effect was maybe my favorite, one of my favorites, where it's that marionette sequence. Mm. First, there's a marionette on the wall. It grows Freddy's head and there's a stop motion sequence where it comes to life and is like, I don't know, being naughty. Yeah. I loved that. I thought it was kind of silly, but also really fun. Yeah. But then we get the sequence where his wrists and feet are cut open <gasps> and the tendons are pulled out and Freddy, like a giant Freddy in the sky, uses those a like a marionette. Yeah. That, I think, was very imaginative. Uh -huh. Like, how do you come up with that? And very well done. And I liked the... They switched between dream and not dream. Yes. So you could see the adults... Like, they don't actually see him go by, but you can see it from their perspective. If they were looking, you'd just see him. I think some people do see him. Oh, okay. And he's just, like, walking with his hands up. Yeah. That's all they see. So we've already established that he's a sleepwalker, mm -hmm. so nobody thinks it's very it's odd. Like, he's sleepwalking. Yeah. It's Because I think Kincaid says, like, have a good walk, yeah. asshole, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> something funny like that. Um, So I liked that. I liked how um you can see him... Like I said, in the, the real world, not in the dream world. Mm -hmm. And he's just kind of jerkily walking along. But then you see the dream again and you can see his like tendons out and everything. Yeah. So I guess this actually, now that I think about it, does have more clear rules. Because Freddy isn't coming out no. and doing that to his body. No. He ends up dying because he falls off the, the ledge. Mm -hmm. Because Freddy makes him walk up there from... In his dream, he's being puppeteered. And we do get that superimposed giant Freddy, like, showing yeah, what it in would the be clouds. like. I thought that's great, too. That was pretty neat. It's maybe silly, but I still love it. It's fun. It was well done. Not a lot. Maybe none of this movie actually scares me. Because I, I don't scare very easily, which is not fun because I want to be more scared. Yeah. But I do appreciate how fun a lot of the things in this movie are. Mm -hmm. Did you get scared at any of it? No, I don't think so. It, but it was like a fun, spooky ride. Yeah. I'd say it's spooky. It's not scary. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Yeah. So then he ends up falling off of the big like bell tower and everyone rules it a suicide, of course. Yes. There's just already, we're not far in, there's so many effects. Yeah. And I love it. And like these huge effects, which I find it's interesting to learn that there was no CG or anything. It's 1987. True. <laughs> <laughs> I think the closest thing they have is some rotoscoping at the end, which is kind of drawing on film. Oh. So then after the suicide, there's that one creepy orderly who's hitting on, um, what's the addict, Taryn? Yeah. He's hitting on her and saying, hey, want to get high? And she's like, no, I'm in here for recovery. Yeah. Leave me alone. Like, You're also I'm, an adult man. Yeah, I'm teenager. clean. I don't do that. Yeah. That's um, kind of seems out of place in this movie. It seems very in place of other 80s franchises. Mm -hmm. And then that guy would get killed. Yes. But they probably both would, actually. <laughs> but it felt out of place in this. Because yeah. there was no, like, Freddy part of it, was there? No, and I think it's just like 
these kids have a hard life. Yeah. They have not much escape in the real world. The adults don't believe them. They're locked up in here. And then they're also prisoners in their dreams, too, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and then we get another character whose name I have already forgotten, but she wants to be an actress, and she has a lot of cigarette burns because her thing is that she smokes, and then she'll burn herself to keep herself awake. Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you. And Jennifer is staying up and watching TV, and Larry Fishburne says, hey, you gotta quit at bedtime. Yeah. But he's also a nice guy, and she says, like, you know what, my friend just died today. And I can't do a nightmare tonight. Give me a break. And he's like, all right, whatever. And then she's watching TV and it's the Dick Cavett show and Zsa Zsa Gabor is on. (laughs) Dick Cavett turns into Freddy and tries to kill Zsa Zsa, which is funny. Apparently, uh, Robert Englund said that when they were shooting that, they didn't tell Zsa Zsa. Well, they they sent her a script. So she knew what was going. She should know what was going on. She never read it. Uh. So they were just kind of ad-libbing an interview, very easy for her to do. Mm. And then he jumps out, and apparently she was very legitimately frightened because she didn't know that was going to happen. I was going to say, that was some good acting. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently not actually acting. She's uh, not the best actor. (laughs) From what I know of her, I think that's true. (laughs) So she sees that on TV, and then the TV sprouts a head mm-hmm. and it's Freddy and with arms. antennae and then has these like robot arms with the claws and he grabs her says it's time for your big break on TV but that pun wasn't enough so then he smashes her head yeah. into it and says welcome to prime time bitch yeah <laughs> which, why? which is like <laughs> why does he need a tagline because <laughs> that's his bit now true and it's going to be for better or for worse. For, for a while. <laughs> and then they come in and find her with her head smashed through the TV, hanging like, I don't know, like eight feet up. Oh. And they say, yeah, suicide. <laughs> <laughs> like, I liked this one because you do get a shot of her after she's died and it's like very clearly something that she wouldn't have been able to do herself. Yes, yeah. It wasn't like she stood up on a stool and then like impaled herself with glass or something and kicked the stool away. There was like literally nothing around her and her feet are hanging and she's like a good foot and a half off the ground. But by the rules of this movie, she probably did literally do it to herself in the mm-hmm. real world. She would have had to like run and jumped her head through there or something. Yeah. Because Freddy at this point isn't moving things in the real world. He's mm-hmm. only influencing the bodies of people who are dreaming. Right. So how would she like I, I'd like to see what they did with the sleepwalking kid. Like see the adult view. Right. I'm gonna call it adult view because it's like yeah, they don't non Freddy views. View. Yeah. So I like I'd like to see the Freddy view and the adult view. Maybe she was a real world gymnast and uh, just kind of handspringed her way into there. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Either way, you don't think about it too much, but it's a pretty cool effect. It is. It's a very cool effect. It's different. It's different, yeah. And I think that is something that we're going to start seeing. And that is kind of a hallmark of 80s slasher movies. It's how original and sometimes brutal you can make the kills Mm -hmm. and there's definitely originality in both of these two because tendon marionette and tv grabbing her yeah i wouldn't have called those two no those are very random and well done so then we have a funeral and the nun is back and we get a mixing of religious elements that we usually only saw in 70s horror movies most of those had a big religious element mm-hmm. to them these ones like the had exorcist it. sure your exorcist rosemary's baby mm-hmm. all sorts of different ones would have uh, even vampire ones it was rooted in a lot more religious stuff catholic guilt yes definitely <laughs> but you don't see it as much in slashers although like some of them get into weird places in later sequels but we're getting that introduced here and at first it kind of seems like incongruous but i kind of liked it too because maybe it just reminds me of those 70s movies it reminds me of the exorcist with that creepy priest and like who's the creepy priest isn't there oh no never mind Father Karras? I think he's dashing. (laughs) But, like, I feel like there's so many, like, 
dark scenes where religion saves the day. Sure, yeah. So maybe I'm just thinking religion is... It was creepy, yeah. and there was a priest. And there was a priest. Yeah. Um, but it, this was also, like, felt like a callback. Like you said, like, it felt like a callback to things that I've seen in other movies mm-hmm. that were creepy. Definitely. Yeah. So after the funeral, Nancy and the doctor are like, you know what we should do now? Romantic date. <laughs> yeah. Are they dating? It, kind of, it really seems like they're dating. So when that scene came on, I was like... At the funeral, she's like, are you ready to go? And he puts his arm around her. But I'm like, maybe it's two colleagues who just, like, went through something really intense. They spend all day together. Like, you develop kind of a personal relationship with the people that you work with. But then, yeah, they're having, like, dinner at his house or her house. In front of a fire? In front of a fire. And, yeah, so it's all of a sudden is, are they dating? (laughs) And where did that come from? Because there was no lead up to that. Also, Nancy still seems like she's like 22. Yeah. She doesn't seem like an adult adult. And he says something about being her boss. Yeah. Like in the when they go for Thai food, because it's her first day. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, what kind of boss would I be if I didn't take you out for dinner on your first day or something like that? Oh. And so it's like. Is he a creep? I think he might be a creep. Because that's not cool to be like, oh, this is just a thing all good bosses do. Yeah. Come to my place now. That's yeah. weird. I don't yeah. like that. No. So it was weird when you see them clearly having a date Yeah. after this funeral. But one good thing he does do is Nancy tells him what's up. And he's like, okay. Yeah. Just goes with it. He believes her. And we don't have to have a big scene about them arguing about it. It comes up a little bit that he's like, I don't know. But for the most part, he's like, all right, let's go. And then they go and they say, all right, kids, I heard about this fucking Freddy Krueger guy. Let's do some group hypnosis. Yeah. And they just go for it. I like, yeah, that he believes because you need an adult who believes you. And in this, I don't think Nancy counts as an adult. Right, she's kind of the bridge between yes. the two worlds, both like in a lot of ways, both in her age that she has had that experience with Freddy and but is now outside of that world because we assume that Freddy doesn't haunt her anymore. Yes. Cuz she aged out? I think it's because she takes that medicine. Oh, that's true. I think yeah, yeah. that's why she doesn't have Freddy dreams anymore because then she's able to like go back into the Freddy dreams because Kristen pulls Kristen her in. Kristen pulls her back in, yeah. yeah. Um, but I wonder if you age out of them, if you survive long enough, you become an adult. Because he never haunted the actual people who killed him. Oh, yeah. He never haunted it's the only parents. children. He's a child killer. Maybe yes. Nancy's too old. He's like, ew. What are you, like 21? Gross. <laughs> the second you can drink, <laughs> you're yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of Freddy's style. Gross. It is. <laughs> And this movie doesn't uh, shy away from the gross in that respect. Mm-hmm. Like, we were introduced to him as a child killer, and we're going to get a more gross backstory of him later. Oh. No, in this movie. Oh, I thought you meant, like, it gets grosser in other films. Well, yeah, maybe. But but in this movie, in his origin story. Yes. So we go to the dream world, and it's kind of fun because they find out because his... What are those clacky ball things called? There's a word for that. Oh, Yeah. Clacky balls? Yeah. So his clacky balls go flying everywhere and he's like, what? Yeah. I'm a doctor. This is crazy. So now he's a believer because he's seeing it happening. Yeah. And this is one of the only times where we have the dream that we don't know is a dream. Yes. But not to trick us, just for like a fun reveal because Mm -hmm. then they find out pretty quickly. And they all show their dream powers. Kristen can do the cartwheels. Yeah. I guess that's good. Backflips. (laughs) Yeah. Darren says, in my dreams, I'm beautiful and bad. Yeah. And bad to her just means having, like, two really short knives. Yeah. It's too bad she didn't bring, like, a an axe or a gun. It would have helped her out a lot more. Yeah. Something bigger. Yeah, it didn't work too well later No, on. it did not. And they all show that, and it's fun. And then Kincaid says, look what I can do. And he bends a chair. And the doctor's like, whoa, Kincaid, calm down. <laughs> we always He's like, on that's unnerving. Yeah. But everyone else is doing all this stuff. Yeah. But he's always angry at Kincaid. Yeah. I think he might, like, for being a, a on-the-surface super nice guy in this movie who believes people, I think he might be taking advantage of his power. 
with Nancy. Yeah. I think he might be a little racist, too. I think so. I don't know. Oh, and there's the one character who we were introduced as he had an accident, meaning he jumped off of something, probably induced by Freddy, but Mm -hmm. the adults believe he tried to kill himself, and now he's in a wheelchair. And of all these, like, fun things, then you have him going, like, in my dreams, I can walk. And you're like, oh, that's (laughs) harsh. That's so sad. Oh, but then again, a lot of it is because Taryn is, like, dealing with addiction issues, too. There is some some dark stuff There's there. They've got some dark lives, and it's nice to see them get, like... Support? Support, and then also the upper hand in their dream mm-hmm. powers. And that's just a fun idea, that all of these kids who are not believed, are marginalized in lots of different ways, they use their dreams to kind of assert some sort of power because they don't have that in other places especially because in their dreams is where they felt the most victimized Mm -hmm. before so there is some like fun stuff going on in kind of in the background of this movie too yeah so then there is another boy whose name i've already forgotten but he doesn't talk anymore and he is lured away by a sexy nurse yes and then we get to see our first boobs of the series yes joey his name's joey joey and that poor actor. Right? So he's, I don't know, like a 16-year-old kid or something. Yeah. And then he gets to slash has to make out with this beautiful naked woman in front of everyone. Yeah. There's a good chance this is his first kiss. <laughs> yes. And this is how it is. And the nerves that he must have been experiencing. Oh, man. And then he gets tied to the bed with her tongue. Yeah. Tongues. Tongues. And Freddy says something like, feeling tongue-tied. <laughs> yeah. Because he just does puns now. You haven't seen Nightmare Island, the movie that I made. I just do puns like that. That's the only lines I have. Like, I'll cut someone in half and say, like, oh, you're half the man you used to be. Like, things <laughs> like that's all I do in that movie. It's very Freddy. Yeah. Mm. Then that's all happening. And if that's not enough... When he's strapped to that bed thing, they left him there for so long he passes out too. Yeah. Like in the real world. Oh, in the real world. The actor. Oh my God. So he had a rough time, but then maybe in the end, he's a 16 year old and be like, yeah, but I made out with that hot lady though. And I got to touch her boobs. Or maybe it really scarred him. I don't know. It could go either way. Yeah. That that seems like we need some like intimacy coordinators or something like that. Yeah. I feel like this movie didn't have much for anything like that. And some like child welfare people to like make sure that these children aren't being exploited. Or just someone keeping track of the hours. You can't work that much. It's too much. Not even as an adult. Yeah. And you can't leave someone like tied to a bed like that because yeah, it's bad for your circulation but then we go back to the real world and joey is in a coma so he's not dead no and the doctor says he listens to the kids because he's like oh yeah i saw some crazy things so i believe you yeah as opposed to every other adult in the world who would see all these things often did the things that are causing Mm -hmm. this and they're still like nah doesn't happen he's like but you just saw it it's not true never happened never happened that's not possible. And the doctor then goes to that, I think it's the same bell tower, and talks to the ghost nun. And we get... Sister Mary Helena? Yeah. And we get the backstory that Freddy is the bastard son of 100 maniacs. <laughs> yeah. Which is terrifying. I I don't like that. No, me neither. But I guess that's good. Like, we shouldn't like things in the horror movie. We should be put off by things. Yes. And that puts me off. It is gross and terrifying. Yes. And I feel bad for that girl, Freddie's mom. That fictitious girl, yeah. Yeah. Who, reveal later... Is the nun! What? (laughs) Yeah, so that backstory is... uh, grotesque it's a huge backstory it's brutal and they introduce it so quickly Mm -hmm. and i'm kind of glad they didn't do a flashback a flashback oh god yeah because i think that would have been too much yeah that would have taken away from the atmosphere of this movie which is like spooky but it's not horrific yeah 
As much as you can say for a movie where someone's veins and tendons are pulled out of their arm, for me to say it's not horrific, but yeah. that is a different level than than this, which is kind of played fun. I know it's gross, but it's also kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a great place for 80s horror to be. It's like kind of gross, kind of scary, but, but also fun. fun. Yeah, I agree. And then on his chest, Joey's, it says, come and get me, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> because I guess he's still in the dream world so he can use his body. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Also, the sound as Freddy's like cutting this message into Joey, it's like, zippers. Yeah, it sounds like zippers. It's not a good special. It's not a good effect. No, the sound isn't great, but the visual is cool. And we get the explanation that you have to bury his remains on hollowed ground. Yes. So they had to find Freddy's skeleton, and who would know? It's, what's his name from Enter the Dragon? What's that guy's name? The dad. Nancy's dad. Nancy's dad. Yeah. And I like this reveal of who he is now. Mm-hmm. So he used to be the sheriff, like a uh, in charge of everyone. Yeah. And now he's a security guard and he's a drunk. Yeah. Because he's been through some shit. He's seen some shit. He saw a kid who basically was like blended up and sprayed all over a room. Twice? Twice? Two of those. Yeah. Well, I guess one wasn't as blended. <laughs> no, but one was just like full on puree. Yeah. And uh, I think he's not that like him giving up on Nancy or like him not having a relationship with his daughter is good. But I kind of think that his reaction to what he's seen in his life is like fair. He's he's broken. Yeah. He's like, I have failed my daughter. I'm just, I'm I'm out. I'm just going to drink away the remaining years I have. My yeah. wife's divorced me and then got eaten or something. Burned up? I don't know. Everyone got massacred. It's kind of my fault. I wasn't able to help anyone. Yeah, he has a lot of guilt and he yeah. just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. No. I get that. That's, it's rough. But uh, the doctor guy does what a lot of adults in these movies should do. And he's like, well, too bad. Fuck you. I'm forcing yeah. you. And he just forces just him to take him. Do it. Show me where that it easy. is. I loved on the way they go and stop at a church. Yeah. And he steals the dad's booze, empties it out and fills yeah. it with holy water yeah. and then steals a crucifix. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, uh, I'll, I'll bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he ever does bring it back. I'm going to say he does. Because he left his driver's license there. Yeah, he seems like a responsible guy. <laughs> like, checked the crucifix out. Yeah. <laughs> I think most uh, churches have a crucifix checkout point. Right? Yeah, it's like the pool where you leave your ID to get, like, flippers or something at the pool. Same thing. Yeah. And then Nancy somehow gets back into the institution, mm-hmm. and they are going to do one big group dream so they can fight Freddy once and for all. Meanwhile, the dad and the doctor are going to go dig up the bones or find the bones, Mm -hmm. which are in the trunk of a Cadillac in a (laughs) junkyard. Yeah. And they're going to bury them. How many other bodies do you think are in that? Seven. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's my guess. What do you think? Uh, I was going to go with like 14. Oh, okay. It is pretty big. It seems, and there's like cars on cars on cars. So I felt like there was a lot of opportunity for people to stash bodies. That's true. Yeah. So I like in this big dream sequence that each of the characters faces their biggest fear. Mm -hmm. And because you already have all the fun Freddy stuff that is scary, but this makes it much more personal because Kristen goes in and her biggest fear, of course, is her mother being negligent and forgetting about her and dismissing her. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what she gets. And then her head gets cut off as well. Because yeah. then we add another, like, Freddy leveled, of course, to heighten everything. Yes. Because just having a disappointed mom isn't as scary in a movie like this. Yeah. <laughs> but we all know that's truly the scariest thing. Is it? Sure. Oh, yeah, I guess. Parents I'm not being mad. Disappointed I'm just you? disappointed. Mm. Yeah, you're right. That is, like, the number one thing. And then with Taryn... Her biggest fear is, I would assume, relapsing and becoming addicted again. And that manifests itself by those, her track marks, grow little mouths. And that is one that gets me. Yeah. Like, I, I think mean, you know this. I, you have skin. Like, gross skin grosses me out. Yeah. I have a lot of fear of, like, cuts and, like, little, not maybe cuts, but, like, 
if I ever had a blister, it would gross me. I don't get things like that because I'm so careful <laughs> because holes in my skin gross me out. Oh, you would have and hated I have, my feet when I was a dancer. Mm-hmm. And I have tryptophobia, and this combines both of those, and it... Yeah, it was very gross. I didn't like that at all. But it's a good scene. It is. And I like that they're like little mouths. Yeah, sick. You look physically ill. Yeah, it was gross. And then, because her knives weren't enough to fight Freddy, of course, because they're just little tiny pocket knives, Freddy wins and says, let's get high. And then instead of a claw hand, he has syringes on all of his hands and stabs them into her arms. Uh, assuming she overdoses then. Yes, and dies. Yeah, and we never hear from her again. No. Nor does anybody talk about her again. No, she's just <laughs> gone. And then what's his name? The Harry Potter one. The guy, he's in a wheelchair. Oh, Joey. And No, not Joey. The other one, Harry the Potter. Other, yeah, yeah. And his biggest fear is that wheelchair. So there's a giant wheelchair coming after him because his biggest fear is already come to yeah. fruition he he can't walk but in his dreams he can so he's very scared of this wheelchair and then he turns into i think he calls it a wizard master yeah because he's playing what i assume is dungeons and dragons yeah yeah he's into that turns into some sort of vampire harry potter and <laughs> shoots some lightning or whatever but in the end ends up losing and also dies yes Never mentioned. No, only Nancy gets a funeral. Moving on. (laughs) The last two people who died, not in this sequence, they got funerals. Yeah, they did. But these two, we don't even hear about them. No, we never discuss them. Even when they go to other parts of this dream house, they reconvene and they go, oh, where's Kincaid? And then he comes right here. Yeah. They don't ask about these two. (laughs) No. So they succumb to their greatest fears. Mm -hmm. And then we have a sequence where it's just Nancy, Kristen, and Kincaid, I think, are the only three left. Yes. And there's this floating door, which is a fun, spooky thing. Mm -hmm. And of course, let's go through this spooky door. Obviously. But then Freddy leaves because he has to take care of other business. And that business is his... uh, Bones are being moved. Yeah, so he becomes a skeleton and then fights them. Yeah. And he kills the dad. Yes. The skeleton throws him onto the tail fin of a Cadillac, which impales him. Yes. Which is kind of how I'd want to go. Yeah. I love 50s Cadillacs. They're pretty sweet. Um, I think it's interesting that the dad, who is so disturbed by everything that he's seen, meets his end with Freddy. I think that's like poetic. Yeah. I also liked where I think the Freddy skeleton starts burying the doctor. Yeah. That's pretty funny too. Cause like, you can bury me. I'm going to bury you. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was good. So then he has to go back to the dream world after killing the dead. And there's that really fun sequence I like with the mirrors that they're all walking by a mirror and they're like, oh, Freddy could be in any one of yeah. these. And then he comes out in three different ones and yeah. pulls people in. Yeah. Oh, we do have one other character, uh, the one who doesn't talk. Is that Joey? That's Joey, yeah. So he's been freed from the bed now. So he discovers what his power is, and it's talking. Yes. Because in his dreams, he can talk. He screams, and all the mirrors shatter. And in a real fun shot, everyone comes flying through the mirrors Mm -hmm. back into that hallway. And I thought that was pretty cool looking. That was a cool, cool effect that they did. And then they go, we've won. We did it. We all win. Yay. And Nancy's ghost dad comes to the dream world. Yeah. And he comes out like a straight up angel with like yellow glitter yeah. and stuff around him. He might as well have a halo. <laughs> but. It's Freddy. It's Freddy. <laughs> and Freddy dad kills Nancy with the glove. So straight up glove in the chest. Yeah. And. uh It's sad because I wanted Nancy to continue because she was a good go-between for the kids. Do you think she's a good actor? No. People really love her. Oh. People say she's great, and I think she's quite bad. I I like her because, I don't know, I I don't know anything else, right? (laughs) She's there, and I don't dislike her as a person, but I don't think she's a good actor. No, but I liked her character being the go-between yeah because it made sense yeah 
Um, so I'm sad that she died, but. But she goes out like a hero because yeah. then she takes the glove and stabs Freddy with yeah. it. Meanwhile, the doctor is uh, sprinkling holy water on the grave that he has dug, and Freddy bursts into light and dies forever, never to return, I assume. But. At the end, you see the light turn on in the um, model Nancy's house. Yeah, and also we've already budgeted a time to do a bunch more of these movies, yeah, so, so we, we know. know he's coming back. <laughs> but they do have a funeral for Nancy. The doctor is just like standing off in the distance. Mm-hmm. If I have a funeral, where I'm, where I'm the dead one, yeah, okay, my yeah, funeral, yeah, um, not just you're throwing a funeral, yeah, yeah, uh, listeners out there. One of you just come and stand and like at a distance and just watch things. Then people are like, oh, Indy had some shit going on. What's this all about? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'd like. Just some people in the distance? Just wear all black and then just stand there. Yeah. And you can either be like, yes, it's done. Or you can be all crying, whatever. Yeah. Just don't talk to anyone. Just stand far away. Make me seem real interesting. Yeah. That's what I'd like. Right at the end. Yeah. (laughs) I also don't want a funeral, though. No. No. What do I care? I'm dead already. It's not for me. No, it's for your family. No, but they're just going to cry. You don't want that. Throw a party. Go watch a movie together. Okay, That's what I want. But okay. not this one. Not this one? <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you know what? Maybe this one. <laughs> the third Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Are we watching all three? No. Just no, the third just one. Just the third one. <laughs> oh, that was his favorite movie? No, it's not even his favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. <laughs> but it's it's one of them. It's pretty good, though. It's better than you remember. <laughs> That's what the pitch will be like. You know what? It's actually pretty good. Yeah. And they're doing this funeral and everyone's sad for Nancy. Two other people died the same day. Never mentioned them. Yeah, just Nancy. <laughs> and we get one final scene with the ghost nun. We see her grave. It's revealed that it was the mom the whole time. And yeah, then there's the bit about the doctor is sleeping. Mm-hmm. He has Nancy's like good luck dream thing, which I forget where it was her from. Her Malaysian doll. Oh, sure. And... Kristen's paper mache house and then the light turns on mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. and then credits where we get to hear the great song dream warriors by dokken 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 i don't know dokken 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 <laughs> and this is the first freddy song yeah there will be more is there <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about some in the next episode but Excellent. that's it for this one and I also liked in the credits, it said the grips from hell for the grip credits. Yes. And each one of them had the middle name, nickname in quotes of Bob. Yes. So you'd be like, Samantha Bob Brandawa, Indie Bob Brandawa. Uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. I like that. I like when inside jokes from set make it into the yeah, movie. <laughs> that only people who worked on the movie would know. Yeah. And that's it. That's Dream Warriors. It was uh, quite the journey. So, Samantha, final thoughts? Yes. I liked it. Uh-huh. It uh, was a fun ride. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't wait for number four. Oh, well, you don't have to wait. And neither do you, because in just a couple of days, our episode on A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Any ideas what the subtitle of this one's going to be, Sam? Um, bring it back Freddy style. Yes. <laughs> Nightmare Island, or not Nightmare Island, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Bring It Back, Freddy Style. <laughs> so we are going to be doing that one next, so make sure you check it out. Mm-hmm. Listen to that one. Yeah, three, I like. Yeah. It's not one, and I, I know I'm just keep comparing it to part one, but one is almost the biggest standalone. Like, you could say two is because... It doesn't follow a lot of the same rules, but one tonally is Mm -hmm. because it is the most serious. It's the most psychological, but three is where they start getting into this like fun fantasy horror. Yes. And I think that is probably a more sustainable idea to take through multiple movies because you can't really recreate part one without just remaking part one. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do new takes on a personal haunting. Yeah. While this, when you're opening it up to 
fantasy elements to action elements to this bending of reality you have so many more options of where you can go Mm -hmm. especially when we start getting into all of these different powers that freddy has the backstory how you can defeat him it opens you up to a franchise and that's just what we are going to get Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the other ones in a very long time, but I think it kind of peaks franchise-wise with this one. Oh. And I think it's a lot of fun. It's a fun movie. It introduces a lot of elements that I personally have ripped off in movies that I've made. <laughs> and yeah, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I agree. It might be cheesy at points. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but it leans into it. It does. It doesn't seem like anything is funny unintentionally Mm -hmm. it seems like they're just keeping things light so then when something isn't as well done although i think most of the effects in this are Mm -hmm. quite well done but if something looks a little cheaper you're much more forgiving because it's not a dead serious movie so they're really finding that niche and how to make effective low budget horror franchises Mm -hmm. and that's what we get here yeah all right let's hear from our second sponsor Do you ever feel like just a number, a digit, a denominator, a decimal, another cog in the big bank machine, waiting on hold, online, never on time, and always on your dime? Like your worth is only calculated by your net worth. In a world full of numbers, it's nice to know there's a place where you're not one. Connect First Credit Union. Bank on a brighter future. Okay, everybody, we will see you back here on October 17th when we discuss Nightmare on Elm Street 4. So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.